I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode uh, 105 of Internet Marketing. I'm with Mr. Kelvin Newman. Hello, everybody. And today is a news and tools, isn't it, Kelvin? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of items of interesting happenings that I wanted to share with you, the lovely listeners. Starting with um, uh, Google Bing. Uh, yeah. well, Google and Bing. Uh, not Google Bing. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, that Google would be an interesting Bing. merger. That would be a big bit of news, <laughs> wouldn't it, if they'd merged? Google merges with Bing. No, just joking, not really. Um, yeah, Google and Bing having a bit of a lover's tiff. What's this yeah, all about? Yeah, basically, um, so what's interesting here is it's kind of been going to and fro over a couple of weeks. But essentially, Matt Cutts has got... You know, on a bit of a warpath, criticizing Bing for copying Google search results. Now, the logic was that someone within the Google team started to notice some weird similarities on certain search terms that they'd been struggling with in Google and been trying out new algorithmic methods to improve the search results for these particular queries. I mm. noticed it was very strange that considering how much trouble they were having solving this issue, quite how easy it seemed to be that Bing were solving the issue in exactly the same way. Um, so what they were s- suggesting was that somehow they were copying the results. So what they did... Um, did they to, suspect an inside job? Um, I don't know whether that's what it was, actually. I think, well, that whether that was what the accusation was, well, the way that they tested it was they went out and bought 20 brand new laptops, um, didn't install anything on there like Chrome or anything like that. They just installed Internet Explorer, the mm. most recent version of that, um, the Bing toolbar... told these people to go home they went to 20 different home addresses and not associated with google whatsoever and asked them to search for these random strings of letters the kind of type of phrase that would never naturally be a search query Mm. and then click on certain search results from that now and what they found was that very quickly these search results were then well not all of them but a significant enough proportion of them to feel confident to criticize bing were then picked up so what they claimed is and this is the where the kind of matter of some contention is that bing were copying their results now what bing say the case is um what they do is they have installed a toolbar and they're looking at users traffic and clickstream data and using that to inform their search results Mm -hmm. so they're not they're saying well you're sort of right google we are sort of copying your search results but that's not really what we're doing instead we're just looking to see at who our users Um, what websites they're visiting and then using that to make our search results better now to what extent 20 people on a laptop can have enough of an influence in a sample size as many as all the data that microsoft have 
I don't know. But it does seem, you know, interesting that they've got that approach. But of course, Google, you know, go for them, hammer and tongs, really criticizing for this. But then, of course, that opens up the whole backlash against that because Google are collecting a significant amount of data on their own toolbar. And the claim was, well, Bing, you've got your toolbar here, you've got your data that you're collecting. None of the users who are using it realize that that um, information is being passed back to Microsoft. And if they did know that, they might not have signed up or used the services that, that send this data back. Uh, hang on, I'm confused. Yep. Whose toolbar? Um, well, basically, it, it, there's a couple of different things in place, but basically all kinds of browsers, toolbars, hmm. um, and the like in the terms and conditions of those buried away is the fact that they own the right to that data so if you visit if andy on your computer you go and visit a website that then sends that message back to microsoft or back to google if you've got the google toolbar and lets them know that you're using that now what google were criticizing for is saying to microsoft well the people who who have your um toolbar in place don't know that that's the case they don't know that they're sending back that data but and then, of course, Microsoft's response to that was, well, you do exactly the same with the Google toolbar, mm. um, to which they say, no, 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 we're very clear about it. It's not hidden away in all our terms and conditions, which actually it is. You know, like <laughs> several years ago, they had a much more um, transparent, big red, you know, we're taking all this data. Please don't, you know, be angry with us for it. But actually, over the times that had rolled back. So mm. really, in some ways, it's a storm in a teacup in terms of, you know, search engineers at the two different companies having a bit of a snipe at each other and a bit of rivalry there, which is, you know, in some ways a little bit childish. But what I think it really hints at is a more underlying issue that there's all this data that we're providing ISPs. There's big stuff about, there was big um, problems with BT collecting that data in the UK, that kind of clickstream data. Yeah, Google are doing it. Facebook, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if they're doing that kind of data capture as well. And the fact is, probably in most cases, even if they are doing it, they're perfectly right to because we have, as users, when we sign up for those terms and conditions, allow them the right to, to do those things. But uh, do you ever read all the terms and conditions, Andy? Well, no, it's funny, actually, because I've always... I mean, we've got some very basic terms and conditions for our business, and uh, we don't have any small print, but I've often thought how, how much fun it would be if, uh, instead of having small print at the end, you had big print yeah. in a great big fat, bold font. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we will take your data and do yeah. something with yeah. it. But well, I, I see the problem, yeah. I mean, no one reads terms and conditions. No. Well, some people do. Yeah, and I mean, I think the interesting thing about when Google were called up about it was the fact that there was the short versions of the terms and conditions that didn't mention it, but it was then referred to in another term. So basically you had to go through, like, you, you know, it wasn't like you just had to scroll down the page a bit. It's you really had to jump through hoops to see mm. these kind of terms and conditions where you give these things away. And I think there really could be a backlash against this at some point in time. There's kind of all these concepts of net neutrality and, you know, confidentiality when you're online. And yeah, I think this is probably only the, the opening salvo of what will probably be an ongoing battle. Don't get me started on net neutrality. Yeah, well, there's there a big story with BT in net neutrality, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? But we'll yeah. skip over yeah, that today. Yes. Let's uh, go on to the second thing then. Is uh, was it Twitter breaking a record during yeah. the Super Bowl? Yeah. So fairly recently, there was you know Super Bowl on in the states, and that you know broke all kinds of Twitter records for the amount of people tweeting um, per you know per minute of the Super Bowl being on, which is kind of a real benchmark because you get these events that trigger off you know big uplifts in in Twitter usage and the. The um, 2011 Super Bowl seems to have been, you know, one of those high high watermarks. Now, what I think is really now, just for people that yeah. aren't American, yeah, what to tell us what the Super Bowl well, is? The Super Bowl is, yeah, it's the kind of it's, it's the, not a very large bowl salad bowl. No, 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 no. I mean, I, 
But as an Englishman, I'm by no means an expert on these matters. Um, but I have stayed up a couple of years and watched it, which is probably more than most Brits have. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's the culmination of the American football season. So it's, so it's a, a bit like the cup final. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a bit like yeah. A, sort of, yeah, the cup final in England. Yeah, yeah. So you know that was going on. Um, huge event in America. Huge amount of people tweeting about it, particularly about the adverts, which is the interesting thing about the whole Super Bowl phenomena is that almost more people talk about the adverts that occur between the play as they do about the play itself. But what I think is really interesting about this is the fact that most people think of, um, you know, social media, particularly Twitter, but, you know, most social media, most um, web-based environments is still being quite geeky. But the fact is, things like Super Bowl, things like the X Factor in the UK and, you know, all these types of very mainstream mass cultural events that occur, um, they're actually influencing the use of these, um, you know, mm. events that are going on. So I think it's really interesting. At the one hand, you've got Twitter and, um, you know, social networks in its broadest sense being involved in the the Middle East political unrest at the moment and the mm. revolutions that are going on there. So very much having a kind of a positive um you know, social impact. But well, you same, say that you say that. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. I won't get there, into the there are negative sides. Apparently, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't by any means claim to fully understand the situation there. But many people are claiming that the that the tools enabled the kind of revolution to gain a footing that perhaps it wouldn't have done. And whether that revolution was right or not, at least it enabled the people to connect in a way that they wouldn't have done previously. But at the same time, you've got people using it to talk about the most mainstream, most mm. um, old media events of anything. You know, the Super Bowl is about as old school as it can get in the worlds of old media because it's lots of millions and millions of people sat watching one particular thing on one particular channel um, with p- particular adverts associated with that. That's about mm. as kind of old-fashioned media as it gets, really. So, yeah, it's just... I think it's easy to kind of assume that social... Um, technologies are kind of very democratizing very you know about creating long tails and niches of you know small groups of people but it's also as much about kind of you know enabling us to have conversations that we you know would have had down the pub or would have had you know on the, at the water cooler you know anyway. you mentioned something very interesting there you mentioned they were tweeting about the adverts now do you mean the adverts that came on in the breaks or do you mean the adverts that were whizzing around the side of the field in, in, yeah in terms of you know this is yeah in the super bowl um, because it is such a widely watched event in the states, um, the 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 gaps between plays when they kind of cut to a commercial break mm. um, are watched by you know probably it's the most watched television event in in the states of the year. So therefore, it has a huge value, and therefore it's very expensive. And because it's very expensive and it's watched by a huge amount of people, a kind of phenomena has emerged that lots of people do specific Super Bowl adverts and you know really put in a huge amount of effort, and that kind of gets a bit of an arms race going then when most of the people are trying to really cut through and be the the most talked about advert during Super Bowl that you then find that you get this kind of you know the most inventive adverts of the year all launching within sort of 10-15 seconds of each other so that's why Mm. it tends to you know it's a cultural phenomenon where people talk about that anyway but as Mm. soon as you add um, the means to broadcast that via Facebook or Twitter it only you know increases that kind of conversation that people would be having in their own living room anyway interesting so Twitter's like sort of I don't have to use the, the word boosting care. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because in the US, that means to be mugged, doesn't it? Okay. To be boosted, I think. <laughs> but uh, in England, it means to just to um, sort of uh, give some extra impetus. Yeah. Yeah. So is Twitter there giving some extra impetus to traditional marketing? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think also as a, you know, okay, well, what's the marketing angle in this? Well, that is the kind of, the fact that these events are always triggering lots of conversations. You know, there are predictable calendar-based events that we know, uh, you know, over a couple of years have always been, you know, hot spots of activity on social networks. You should be thinking about how those types of hot spots that are relevant to your business, and you work that into a plan. So it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe the Super Bowl was perhaps a bit too far down that line. But, you know, in the search industry, you know that there are certain search conferences. And when those search conferences are going on, there's more tweets on those days than there would be on a normal day. Yeah. So therefore, maybe I ought to be trying to do something with a campaign on that particular day. You know, and it's, it's just that kind of, I think there's inspiration we can take from these kind of things. It's riding the wave of real timeness. Yeah, no, very like, much so. Now, what have Nokia been up to? Well, Nokia... Um, Perhaps not as well known in the um, well. I think they are pretty well known in the states as well, but very much a kind of a big European mobile handset manufacturer. Mm. Very much the leader in that sector for you know pretty much since day one of mobile phones. Now they've been getting into, despite still being probably one of the biggest um, handset manufacturers in the world, are really suffering from a lack of direction and momentum at the moment. To the extent that although they do still have a significant market share, they're not growing at the rate of um, iPhones, they're not growing at the rate of um, particularly Android. And now this is interesting because I think mm. in the circles I move in, it's all about the iPhone. But I think in you know in the population as a whole, Android's really starting to get a huge foothold in, in, in the smartphone market. Now, basically, um, what they've done is they've bought in a new CEO, um, a chap called Stephen Elop. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his surname, so apologies, but it's E-L-O-P. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has, there's been a leaked, and that's me doing leaked in inverted commas memo. Is he holding his, his quote fingers up yes. when he does that? Um, so there's a leaked memo that he sent around to all of the Nokia team talking about their burning platform as the kind of the short quote that's been associated with this. But basically what he has been saying is that um, they are, and this is the extended metaphor here in the in the memo that they're on a kind of if you imagine an oil platform and there's fire all around them and the mm. only way they can get out of this situation that they're in is to jump into the ice cold water and to have the shock of that and to mm. to deal with that and lots of people have been giving him a huge amount of credit for you know acknowledging that this inertia and difficulty that they're having and the way that they're going to have to change things it's anticipated that they will probably get into bed with Microsoft for Windows you know their Windows Mobile Seven. 
Um, but I, I mean, it does seem strange to me. People kind of um, really heaping praise on this guy for stating the obvious. You know, he's been bought into a, a struggling company and he's been mm. parachuted in, widely, widely expected to shake things up. And then he mm. releases a, a memo shaking things up. Do you know what I mean? It's For me, it kind of did seem a bit of a, um, an anti-news, but lots of people are talking about it. I mean, I've never been a Nokia user. I've always been Sony Ericsson until I switched to the iPhone. I mean, mm. did, did you ever really use I'm Nokia? I'm just trying to think, actually. I, I, oh, I don't think I've ever had a Nokia. I'm like you. It's been Sony yeah. Ericsson. Yeah. I can't remember what my previous ones were. It might, might have been a Philips or something. Yeah. Obscure, yeah. obscure Philips, but, you know, I don't think it was a Nokia. Yeah, and this is the struggle that they're having, really, because, you know, they're just not... I, I You know, in the past, I could have named, a num, you know, back when um, Nokia were at their, their peak, you know, their four-digit numbers, you know, like a 10 or whatever the various models were back in the mm. day. At that point in time, you could always name them, and you could always, you know, I could tell you all of my friends who were Nokia users. Now I know one person in the office who has a Nokia most of the people have either got iPhones, um, some of the nice new Sony Ericsson's, or kind of you know random phones for people who so, aren't necessarily into phones. Why and, do we think they're losing their way? Is it something to do with the essence of the smartphone market? Well, I, I think the the way it's framed in this uh, memo, which I do think there's definitely some you know legs in this, is that what Andro- Android isn't about a manufacturer; it's about a kind of ecosystem and you know um, you know the kind of the apps and the marketplace and all that kind of mm. thing. Mm. And all the phones just kind of buy into that ecosystem. And Apple, although they're, they have their own ecosystem and it's very closed, it's still the same that there's this kind of almost with an iPhone, you're not buying the iPhone, you're buying the app store and, mm. you know, all the iTunes interface. And the same with, you know, when you get an HTC, you're not actually getting an HTC, you're getting a, a Google Android phone. So, um, Nokia, although they've made attempts in this kind of area, they haven't really got it absolutely nailed there. Now, whether that means they should just jump on board with someone else, I'm not entirely sure because um, there will always, I think, Apple's approach is, and you know, everyone knows we're fanboys of Apple on the show, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but it's very closed and that's not good for many people. In some ways, that's what makes Apple good is because it work, sort of works together pretty well because it's a closed system. There's no... Yeah, easy and, to control. Yeah, and I think... Google are trying to at least be the extreme opposite of that. I don't think they are, but they're at least positioning themselves there. So that leaves you in a very difficult situation. You have the kind of, it all works perfectly together, closed garden, or it's a free reign. We're not going to restrict you in any way with Google. Where does that then leave you if you're, um, you know, Windows Mobile or even Nokia there? So I think it's widely expected that Nokia and um, Windows will get together and try and collaborate in some way, shape or form. But, you know, it's it's difficult because it's kind of competing marketplaces rather than competing handsets. Time will tell. Yes, very much so. Time very will much tell. So. And finally, uh, a few words about Brighton SEO. Yeah, well, those of you who are long-term listeners will remember um, in the past I've mentioned a um, kind of, well, it started off as very much a kind of gathering um, of search marketers here in the UK, in Brighton, the city where we're based. And it's kind of snowballed from there. So we started off, it was beers, then it was we hired a room in a pub where we had a couple of talks and then we had the beers. Mm. And then last time we had half a day in a kind of community space that we used and then went off to get some beers. But we've really, you know, 
at all those events it's been standing room only we've had to turn people away i know at the last event andy you came along and you know you had to sit on the floor so it's the kind of yes, yeah it's, yes. it's, it's the it was very hot i seem to remember <laughs> yes, yes yes yeah and i stood by the door i think yeah. most of the time so yeah we're our we've really kind of gone okay well this is clearly something that's going very well so they're free conferences that where you get the kind of people who would talk at the conferences that normally cost six seven hundred eight hundred you know fifteen hundred quid sometimes these conferences and because you know by virtue of the podcast and by virtue of you know meeting these people are able mm. to encourage them to come down to an event where the tickets are free um so we've arranged the the next one of those um it's happening on april 1st um so april fool's day it's not a joke but no way. this <laughs> is it you know but I, i'm hoping that at least give the presenters a couple of easy laughs when they're putting to, you know starting off their presentation <laughs> but yeah april 1st was the day so that's a friday i know i know, said i was coming down to talk but i was just kidding uh, who's the next speaker <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i know there's a huge chunk of the listeners aren't based in the uk and if you are based in the uk brighton is a long way to come but what i will say is if you are in any way shape or form like to us it is well worth coming on there's it's going to be really good day of speakers um of people i really respect and really really think that they know what they're talking about followed by kind of a, a decamp to the the local hostelry for some um well-earned beverages by that point <laughs> as well so i mean if people are interested they're local there's we've actually got a new website that's coming up for it at the moment um it's in the process of being launched so it might be launched or it might not depending on my schedule when this episode goes out but if you are interested in attending the event you should go along to brightonseo.com um and either apply for a ticket or register your interest so we'll send you the details when the tickets come through so i just thought for those of you in the southeast in london or maybe actually pretty much anywhere because gatwick is right on top of brighton so cheap mm. to be on actually the irony being that someone coming down from london might end up paying more for a ticket than someone coming from continental europe if they fly to you know oh, get God, train tickets. prices yeah yeah but there you go <laughs> so anyway i just thought i'd mention that in terms of if people are interested well, well, in that. dare dare we even entertain the thought that we might be able to live stream it or is that well just um, too much? i mean yeah we we did do a bit of that last time and it worked reasonably well I, yeah one thing i do think we're going to do is we are going to be trying to capture as much of the the audio from the show as we possibly can yeah, so i think it's as easy just to yeah. capture the audio isn't it yeah. and make it so, a little show yeah it? so we will probably have some some of the highlights of that mm. coming up in in you know well a couple of months time from now yeah excellent well i think that wraps it for today so yep. it's goodbye from me andrew white and goodbye from me kelvin newman and we'll see you next time on internet marketing brought by site brought to you by site visibility at sitevisibility.com goodbye well that's it for today thank you so much for listening you can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three. 256 or 150 if you're inside the UK it's 01273 256 150 and you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show also we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself well that's it for now Andy White signing off until next week on internet marketing When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.